Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. I have preached on Philippians 4, 2 through 7 a few times, but I've never preached on it during a pandemic. Uh, It seems that we are living through some very difficult times with heightened anxiety and fear. As many of us who have friends or loved ones who have been affected by this time. And here's the deal. Anxiety is at a high point right now. And the question is, will you be giving into it? A lot of us are conditioned as children to operate in this world of anxiety and to give into it. And we grow older and older and older, and it stays with us. I think about the anxiety that I experienced as a young child. Uh, as I told you before, and I like to tell my kids, when I was in the third grade, I was, I was bullied a lot. And it created a lot of anxiety, so much so that I pretended to be sick and missed 52 days of school. And then when we hit the seventh grade, uh, that bullying continued and the anxiety was getting higher and higher. And so when I interact with my kids who are in junior high, I say, I know what that anxiety feels like. And then when I hit high school, I was bullied to the point where someone even threatened to kill me and my anxiety was off the charts. And here's the thing that troubled me as I look back. I had no one to talk to. I had no one to process it with. I, had, I wasn't a believer, so I had no spiritual uh, ways to uh, combat it at all. It was, it was a heightened anxiety. And, and even into my adult years, I, I experienced this. And it's what's interesting. Um, the last thing I should ever do with the amount of anxiety I have is be a pastor. Because you can't think of a most anxiety-producing job than being in the ministry. And yet, by God's grace, he, he called me into the ministry. And, and I do say this. Over the years, I've experienced more seasons of peace than anxiety, where his peace has rushed in and, and flooded in. And I believe for those of you who have struggled in the past or even in the present, even during our days with anxiety, that God's peace is available to you. I mean, you have a lot of things you can turn to instead. You can uh, pretend to be sick. You can skip school. You can turn to alcohol or drugs. You can get lost in entertainment. Or you can take it to the Lord and experience his peace. Now, I know there's, there's some people that suffer with anxiety at such heightened extremes that they need to go speak to a counselor, which can be great. Maybe some, some medical things can happen, which can be great. And, I, and I'm not a doctor. But I do have the word, and I'm telling you, in the word, it does speak about even when we're going through so much junk, we can bring it to the Lord, and by his grace, we can experience his peace no matter what we're going through. And that's what we're going to look at this morning as we're looking at Philippians 4, one of the most popular passages in Philippians, Philippians 4, 2 through 7. The Apostle Paul is writing to the Philippians who are undergoing a variety of persecution for their faith. And they also had a a variety of inner conflict within the church. I'm going to start in verse 2 of chapter 4. It says, 
I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Not only does Paul urge these two women to get along, but he wants the church to come along and help them. You see, the Philippians were facing a variety of challenges. Not only did they have these external hits coming on them from the world, persecuting them for their faith, but they also had these internal hits where people in the congregation are sniping at one another. And he's wanting them to call to peace, call to get along. It's in this context of external pressures and internal pressures that Paul steps in and he says this. He's pretty much going to say, worry about nothing pray about everything. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. I rarely talk in terms of your part and God's part because I like to think that it's all God's part. But in this context, I think your part of the plan is prayer and God's part of the plan is peace. You pray, by God's grace, he brings peace. And let me break down your part into four components. Praise, perspective, petition, and more praise. And according to this text, God's part is peace. Well, let's look at it. Look at verse 4 and start with praise. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Rejoicing in the Lord can combat anxiety. You see, here's the deal. Let me explain this to you. A lot of us feel anxious in life because something is unknown or unresolved. Anybody have anything in their life right now unknown or unresolved? Yeah, all of us. You see, it's this uncertainty that can eat at you. It may revolve around money or how things going to time out, or illness, or addiction, or relationships. My unknown often revolves around my kids. How are things going to turn out for the young ones or for the old ones? And you just don't know. And sometimes this can create a variety of anxiety in us. And yet, the word says rejoice. And why does it say rejoice? Because joy in the Lord can combat anxiety. You see, when you praise God, you're praising him, get this, for his sovereign control. You're praising him for his timing. You're praising him for his provision. You're praising him for his presence. You're praising him for his love. And over time, as you start to praising God for who he is in his character, there's just something about happen that we're starting to fight against anxiety as we praise the Lord. It's interesting how that works. Because we get our eyes off what's going on here, and we get our eyes locked on him. Not only praise, but here's the perspective. Look at verse 5 for some perspective. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Now, the idea here is when, when problems or disgruntled people rush at you, your response is not to be retaliation, but reasonableness. It says a gentle spirit. You got a gentle spirit? <laughs> Ready to yield? You can be kind. 
to be gentle. When someone criticizes you, you, you don't strike back because, you know, maybe your first response is to defend yourself and shoot back in your anxiety. But when you are provoked in your spirit, you're to have a reasonable response of one of restraint, of pulling back, of gentleness. And you may think that's not possible. Once again, the context here, persecuted church. And the church is being persecuted for their faith. They're to act in such a way that is gentle, reasonable, restrained. And you wonder, well, how can you possibly do that? And he gives the answer once again in verse 5 at the very end. Do you see it? He says, the Lord is near. This is talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus, king of all the earth, who sees everything and all power is in his hands, is coming back to judge. And if Jesus Christ is coming back to judge, you can zip your lip, hold your tongue, pull back in restraint and say, okay, God's going to take care of this. I'm not going to strike back out of my anxiety and fear. I'm not going to be defensive. Jesus Christ is coming back. The Lord is at hand. I'll let him deal with stuff. So when you're on Facebook or whatever social media you're on and you want to somehow strike back, you can say the Lord is at hand. He's going to deal with these things when he comes back. I don't need to be the great defender here. The Lord is at hand. I think about some people right now that come to mind that are under a significant amount of anxiety. Oh, I've talked to some of them. And that is teachers. Teachers who are about to start teaching again have so much pressure put on them by parents. I don't know if you know this. I know a lot of you don't have young kids in school, but some of the kids choose to stay home and do class virtually, and some of the kids choose to stay in the classroom and have physical face-to-face instruction. The parents of both of these kids want everything perfect, and they want the teacher to make things perfect for those who are at home and those who are in the classroom. And the anxiety for teachers right now is ramping up and up and up. And it's not just for teachers. It could be for all of us when we feel these pressures crushing in us, these expectations of people, the criticalness of others coming at us. You may say, okay, okay, okay. The Lord is at hand. God is sovereign. He is in control. One day he's coming back. He's going to take care of all this. He's going to take me to be with him where there'll be no more crying or pain. I'm just going to step back and say, God, you're sovereign in control. I'm not going to strike back. I'm going to be reasonable. I'm going to have perspective. Because when you live your life without the perspective that the Lord Jesus is going to return, then it's all on you. But my brothers and sisters, if Jesus is coming back, it's all on him. You don't have to freak out. You don't have to be anxious. You can pull back, submit to him. All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going, looking at some more of this. This is good. Look at verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, when we're anxious, we feel this inward troubled by the care of something that is unknown or unresolved. And perhaps this uncertainty is killing you. It's like a, a, a negative, reoccurring thought loop that drives you crazy. And the command is, be anxious for nothing. Nothing is left out of nothing, and that includes everything. 
Be anxious for nothing. Why? Why, why, why would you be anxious for nothing? Because when you are, you're saying, hey, God, I can handle this. But when we're anxious for nothing, we're saying, God, you can handle this. You see, when we're anxious, we think, you know what? God, you're not sovereign enough to take care of this. You're not powerful enough to take care of this. You're not loving enough to take care of this. But if you, eat, if you do believe that God is sovereign enough, loving enough, and powerful enough to take care of it, maybe you think he's not loving, sovereign, and powerful enough for you. He'll take care of it for other people, but maybe not for you. And so your anxiety starts to ramp up because you know who God is, but you don't think he's going to come through for you. And yet God gets in your face and he says, be anxious for nothing. Nothing is left out of nothing. <laughs> and that includes everything. Be anxious for nothing. Well, what are you supposed to do instead? All right, I'm not supposed to be anxious. Well, tell me what to do instead of being anxious. Here we go. Verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Oh, prayer. Well, here it is. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Once again, nothing is left out of nothing, and that includes everything. So worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Well, I don't know about you, but when I'm feeling anxious, I don't know what my deal is. I mean, I preach the word. I know the word. But prayer is often the last thing I want to do. When I'm feeling anxious, I want to figure things out. When I'm feeling anxious, I just want to deal with it and hit it head on, and I kind of leave God out of the picture. But the idea is that when anxiety is starting to rise in me, that should be a good indicator that I should start praying. Like, worry about nothing, pray about everything. You're called to pour out your situation, your circumstance, all your emotions before God and ask him to intervene in his time and his way and let him deal with the mess and bring him in to be part of your mess. I learned this really uh, acutely about 25 years ago. I was a college pastor at a church in Duncanville, which is right outside of Dallas, and I was gathering with a group of college students, and we were praying one Sunday morning, and there was so much drama going on. I don't know if you ever know this in college, there can be a lot of drama, a lot of drama. And so they were like freaking out with one another, and they, were, and they were praying, and you could hear the fear, and you could hear the despair, and their voices, and the anxiety. And, and I learned right there that when you pray, you don't have to feel good. Sometimes we think we got to feel good before we can pray, but you don't have to. You can take your mess, your fear, your anxiety, your anger, and just bring it to the Lord and present your petition to him. Take it all to him. Don't wait for all your feelings to get sorted out. You can bring it straight to him right away and present your request to the Lord. And not only do we want to present our petition to the Lord, but once again, just in case you missed it, we also want to be filled with more praise. Look at verse 6 again. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Wow. Let me just ask, do you really want to be thankful when you're going through all your stuff? Isn't that really the last thing you're thinking about? And yet, we're to take our petition to the Lord with thanksgiving. And one of the areas you want to be thankful for is what God has done for you in the past. 
Because when you start reflecting on how he's been so faithful in the past, you say, Lord, thank you for carrying me. When you thank him for what he's done in the past, then it helps you to trust him more for the future. You see, right now, our church is closed down. We're doing a virtual service. We've already done this before. Now we're doing it again for about a month, Lord willing. And you may think, how in the world is our church going to survive? What's going to happen to us? What's going to happen in the future? We just stop and go, okay, our church was planted back in the 80s. God has been so faithful to us in the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, where we're at now. God's going to continue to be faithful to us, but we have to remember his faithfulness and be grateful and be thankful, and not just for our church, but in your life as well. If you're thinking, no way, this is going to be the worst thing ever, look back. God has been faithful to you. Name those things. Tell him, thank you. It gives you encouragement to press on as you go into the future. So we've talked about our part. All right, what's your part again? Praise, prayer and petition, thanksgiving, more praise. All right, so let's say this is your part. The next is God's part. Look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Before explaining this verse, I want to tell you something. Only believers have true peace with God. Let me just, just kind of sum this up for you. God is holy. Humans are sinful. But God made a way for us to come to him because, I don't know if you know this, but we're born into this world warring against him, wanting to do our own ways. He took the initiative, sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life that we could not live. He was placed on the cross bearing the wrath of God for our warring ways. He was buried, rose again, proving that he had victory over sin, Satan, and death. And the offer is, here's an offer of peace. That's what God's doing in Christ, offering us peace with him, this reconciliation where we can repent of our sins, put our faith in Jesus Christ, and be forgiven. And get this, now we have peace with God. There's no longer this enmity, this warring against one another. There's peace with God. You take that peace, which is a reality, and this verse here says you can actually experience this peace even in your circumstances. Look at it again. I want to make sure you see it. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the peace that's talked about here is a, it's a tranquil state. It's an inner rest. And may I go as far as to say it's a feeling of calm that God provides. And part of this peace is the presence of God. A little later in Philippians, we'll say, and the God of peace will be with you. Life can be raging, but you're not. Life can be screaming, but you're calm. You have a disposition that is confident in God and its control. Your neighbors... Your unbelieving friends are freaking out about what's going on in our world, but not you. You're calm. You're resting in the Lord. You're praying, you petition, and it says that God will give you peace that surpasses understanding. How can you explain this peace? Well, I can't explain it because it surpasses understanding. It's somehow things are crazy, God's bringing peace, 
and you're calm and tranquil in him. How does that work? It's supernatural. It's from God. Holy Spirit produced. And it says that this peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul wrote this when he's in jail. And yet he's thinking about the guards that are around him and chained to him. He's like, well, the peace of God is like that. It's like guarding my heart and guarding my mind in Christ Jesus. That is a supernatural Holy Spirit produced peace that comes only from God. And you may say, well, give me some of that. (laughs) I want some of that. And maybe you've been praying, praising, thanking God. And you're like, where's the peace? Where's the peace? Well, here's the deal. It's not a formula, by the way. But I'm wondering if some of you are not experiencing peace because you're accepting no less than complete deliverance. You're accepting no less than getting out of jail, a complete healing, a complete breakthrough. And until God brings that to you, you're not going to accept peace, right? But Paul's still in jail. He's going to be killed, and yet he's talking about God's peace. And if we're getting to the point that God, I demand the healing. I demand that you give me this breakthrough. And until then, I'm not going to take your peace. No, no, no. That's not the way it works. God gives us peace even in the mess. And we're to accept that and not demand that he makes our world perfect. Because that's coming, just not yet. So our part is to simply say, God, we're a mess. My situation's a mess. We praise you for who you are and your sovereignty. We give you our petition. We thank you for your past faithfulness, and we praise you again. And we trust him. And by God's grace, we go through seasons and times where we experience peace. But the call to us is to worry about nothing, pray about everything. Well, a world-famous preacher gives his testimony time and time again on how he was scared to death, didn't like preaching, full of anxiety, and yet God used him to be one of the greatest preachers ever. What a great testimony. My testimony is not that great. (laughs) I'm just full of anxiety and, and fear in the past, and this is the last job I should be doing. But by God's grace, I get to preach his word. Now, I don't know if you guys have seen any images, but uh, a funny image on, on the Internet right now is uh, of Tom Hanks. You don't know who he is, but Tom Hanks, he played Mr. Rogers, and he also played the guy stranded on the island in Castaway. Remember that? Well, the, the picture on the Internet shows Pastor 2019. It's a picture of him as Mr. Rogers. Pastors in 2020, it's a picture of him as Castaway. He's all grungy and scruffy. His life's a mess. That's kind of what we're going through right now. As pastors, it's crazy. It is unbelievable. Never, ever expected this. Definitely did not learn about this in seminary. And the anxiety for a lot of pastors is off the chart. But, you know, God's gracious and kind. And he gives peace, even during this time. Not just for pastors, but also for you. No matter what's going on, no matter what you're going through, take it to the Lord. Yeah, even that thing, take that to the Lord. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything and rest in his sovereign control. Let's pray. Lord, you've been so faithful to us during this time of of a lot. And you love us. 
lot of us have a lot of fears and anxieties right now, and we just want to stop and bring those to you and say, Lord, we give you our lives. We'll give you our fear of illness, fears surrounding money, anxieties over relationships. We want to bring it all to you and say, Lord, thank you for the way you've been faithful in the past. Help us to trust you as you'll be faithful in the future. And Lord, if we ever doubt your love for us, maybe look to the cross. For in the cross of Jesus, we see love poured out for us to bring us eternal peace with you. And Lord, we want to live in that experientially through all the trauma and drama we're dealing with and find the peace that surpasses to understanding and rest in you and you alone. I will be exalted. 
We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.